The Tablet Show, Episode 23, with guest Kate Gregory. Recorded live Friday, February 24th, 2012. From thetabletshow.com, it's The Tablet Show. Conversations about developing software for tablets and other mobile devices with your hosts, Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. In this episode, Carl and Richard talk to Kate Gregory about C++ in Windows 8. This episode of The Tablet Show is sponsored by Telerik, offering the best in developer tools and support. Online at telerik.com. And now, here are Carl and Richard. Hey, guess what? It's The Tablet Show. Indeed. It's Carl and Richard. It's Connecticut and Vancouver. Yep. In Ontario. Yeah, this time anyway. Yeah, this time I feel I feel very Canadian today. You very surrounded, especially because I had to uh, get the slush off my car this morning. Ah, okay, because it's only raining here in Vancouver. Here's the crazy thing: it was 50 degrees last night when I went to bed. No kidding. And it snowed this morning, and all the kids were let you know delayed school. Right. So I had a you know a great morning. <laughs> Just saying. And when you say great, it was great. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Hey, um, let's jump into Better No Framework because I oh, got boy. something important to share today. Do you? Something important to share every day. I like talking about, um, I like pointing out blog posts where people have uncovered some really good stuff because, you know, this show isn't about us. It's about the community. And uh, this is a great blog post by Lorraine Bagnon from Galasoft. Uh, and the blog is Diary of a Code Trotter. If you go to tinyurl.com slash picketright, P-I-C-K-I-T-R-I-G-H-T, picketright, because it's called Quick Tip, Select the Correct iNotify Property Changed in Windows 8 WinRT. Hmm. Microsoft loves MVVM and iNotify Property Change so much that they included this very useful interface twice in the new NRT framework. Uh-oh. Unfortunately, only one is working correctly. And the other one is likely a bug remnant from the past. When implementing iNotify property change, make sure that you select the correct one. The one you want to use is in windows.ui.xaml.data. The old one, the one you don't want, is in system.componentmodel, the same namespace it was in WPF and Silverlight. If you select the wrong one, the bindings will not be updated and the UI will remain dead as a dead fish. <laughs> I like this guy already. Yeah. I mentioned before that Microsoft took the once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, well, five to ten years is a lifetime in the world of computers, to clean up and rearrange classes within the framework. This is one of the signs right here. <laughs> <laughs> As for the system.componentmodel.inotify property changed, I guess it'll be removed in a later release of the WinRT framework. Update. Indeed, I was just told by the excellent and always vigilant Tim Hewer that this bug has already been fixed. Nice. I guess we'll see the fix in the next release to developers of Windows 8. Cheers. And that's all there is. So that's a great little post. It's at uh, tinyurl.com slash picketright. Hey, Richard, who's talking to us, man? Grabbed an email from Tim Houlihan, who I believe has uh, sent his emails before. That's right. And he says, hi, guys. And the show is Sean Wildermuth. Richard mentions cutting his SIM card down to the mini format and not being able to go back. Ah, yeah. In fact, you can. 
I have an iPhone 4S, which also uses mini-SIM, and an HTC Surround, which is WinPhone 7, that I bought off of eBay for testing on devices. Mostly I use it for Wi-Fi, which works great for apps, but on trips I use it as a backup phone in case I'm away from a charger too long. And he sends a few links for adapters, but you can find these things if you search with your favorite search tool on SIM card adapters. They're basically little bits of plastic that allow you to snap your mini-SIM into a full-sized uh, SIM caddy essentially and then put that inside your your phone they're by two bucks so you probably get one for free when you buy a new sim and uh just for the record the sim i cut down stopped working after a few days i had to go buy a sim ah which cost me ten dollars so buy a sim get an adapter problem solved tim thanks for the tip and uh we'll get a tablet show mug out to you and if you'd like a tablet show mug Send us a comment about the tablet show via email, rocks at franklins.net. And now it's time to introduce our esteemed guest, Kate Gregory. Kate is in her fourth decade of being paid to program. Her firm, Gregory Consulting Limited, is based in rural Ontario and helps clients adopt new technologies and adjust to the changing business environment. Current work makes heavy use of .NET and Visual C++, along with SharePoint and both web and client development, especially for Windows 7. Mentoring, managing, writing, technical writing, technical speaking occupy much of her time, but she still writes code every week. And we hear she's working on a new book. Is that true, Ms. Gregory? It is indeed true. After like maybe a decade, I am uh, once again in harness uh, writing a book. In harness? <laughs> Buckling down as it is? This is the same mechanism that causes people to have multiple children. <laughs> Absolutely. The triumph of hope over experience, 100%, yes. That's right. Enough time goes by that you forget. Yeah. So, wow, C++ in WinRT, Windows 8, pretty freaking cool. It is. It's very cool. Yeah, C++ is suddenly this, uh, uh, maybe not new kid on the block, but it's got, it's got shiny new stuff. And as developers, we all love shiny and new. And uh, it's got some very good points for using it in a WinRT environment. So the story, Carl, you don't know, is uh, as I, I routinely make trips down to Microsoft. Yep. And I was down on one of the many trips down to Microsoft, and I walked into building, I don't even remember which one it was. Was it 25? 24. 24. I walk into 24. Who's sitting in the lobby? It must <laughs> have been Kate. It was so bizarre. I, I opened my laptop. Just opening her laptop. She's like, well, I'm just going to sit here until somebody interesting comes along. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and didn't get even get her laptop open, and I showed up. And... She was, and let's face it, for someone in her fourth decade of programming, she was giddy. So she opened her laptop and Richard's ears perked up from across the campus and he goes, beep, 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 another Canadian with a laptop. I have to get there right away. <laughs> I just knew instantly. And I raced over there. But the crazy part was how giddy she was. Because what was going on, Kate? Because you were in a state. I was so, that was the day before, and you should have seen me once it actually started. <laughs> um, I was at a C++ conference. What? On, on the Microsoft campus, two days, 100% native code. Wow. Wow, that's like a unicorn conference. Uh, yeah, and there were, not, not only were there 350 of us. Holy cow. There were people there who were in their 20s. Wow. Weird. There were people there who were teenagers. But they were Ruby developers trying to convert everybody, right? <laughs> That's, you know, I always thought I was the last of the dying breed. I wasn't watching. Huh. The world is full of uh, college-aged C++ developers. 
Well, you know, it makes sense because they probably still teach that a lot in college, do they not? And not only that, but the kids use it on their own projects. So if you go to open source repositories, obviously if you go to some Windows-friendly ones, you can expect to see certain languages well represented. But if you go to some other source uh, repositories of open source, and the C++ team got the idea a couple years ago to, to actually check the numbers, and they discovered anywhere from 30 to 50% of the projects in these repositories are C++ projects. Wow. Yeah. And they just went, what? This, this, we must be doing this number wrong because we all know that's not true. That can't be true. And uh, then they interviewed students and they said, what do you write in? And then they said, oh, yeah, but you're taking C++. What do you write in for yourself? Huh. And they still got these kind of numbers back. And then that's really that whole C++ renaissance that they like to talk about came from this realization that, you know, we may not have been talking to C++ developers as Microsoft, but they've still been there. Interesting. And is this really about the latest version? Is C++ 11 the whole, what's engaged everyone, or is that not any matter? C++ 11 got great stuff in it. And some of that great stuff has come from um, things that were laboriously hand-coded into libraries because you couldn't change the language. So Boost, for example an amazing set of libraries that people were just using to accomplish some very, very cool things. And some of the things from Boost have actually rolled into the language itself and become keywords instead of being uh, functions in a library. Interesting. I just love the whole idea that there's a, you know, Boost is very much the equivalent of like jQuery. It is a library that makes the language easier. Exactly. Exactly. And it would be like JavaScript looking over jQuery and going, great idea. <laughs> well, that's the sense I've gotten from uh, C++11 is that they've just gone and, and, and gleaned all the best ideas they could find. Now, when you say boost, because remember, I'm not a C++ developer, what, how do you spell that? Because everything's got a weird spelling when it's been adopted for technical reasons. Well, yeah, but you see, C++ people are very old school, so it's just the word, B-O-O-S-T. B-O-O-S-T. Yeah. Okay. And it, it boosts your performance. Is this a Microsoft thing or an open source thing or what? I guess open source is the right description for it. It's certainly not a Microsoft thing. Yeah. Now, boost your performance or your productivity or both? Both. both. It's, it's just a, an, an incredible library of things that, you know, we all solve the same problems all the time. Yeah. I, I really do equate it like what jQuery did to JavaScript. Yeah. You could do these things by hand, but it sucks. Yeah. So the link is boost.org. For those who want to go check it out. And some of the things that are there, for example, there's a little class called non-copyable. And we have multiple inheritance. So if you inherit from whatever you want to inherit from, which might be nothing, but also from non-copyable in the Boost namespace, ta-da, your class can't be copied. Huh. Oh, wow. Okay. Now, I mean, that's not hard. You can write a non-copyable class in the language of your choice. Just make the constructors private, right? But one of the things that's happened in the last 10 years that is for people who stopped using C++, they're not expecting this, is the emphasis on what we call expressivity, yeah. where your code says exactly what you mean. So an experienced C++ developer looks through a class definition and says, oh, private constructors, I guess you don't want to be copied, or whatever. But a newbie goes, I don't understand, why are these here if you're not allowed to call them? <laughs> It's, that's a great description. This is dumb. I'm just going to take these out. <laughs> right. Like, what are these for? So when you when you inherit from something called non-copyable, and inherit means is a, you know, yeah. clearly saying that employee or bank account or whatever this is, is non-copyable, and like, well, duh, I guess 
that means you can't copy it. Mm, yeah. If you if you still don't get what that means, you need to go back to school. That's pretty straight <laughs> up. So uh, C plus plus in Windows eight in the new C plus uh, plus. I I guess C plus plus eleven is the Windows eight version, or are we looking at a new version twelve? Oh, so or something. There's too many elevens and twelves floating around. Yeah. But I'm, I'm going to try on this. The language changes and library changes that were done by the standards committee, and this is an ISO thing. That is C plus plus eleven. Okay. The version of Visual Studio that you will use to write apps for Windows 8 is technically unnamed, but we're all calling it Visual Studio 11. Right. Okay. Not 2011. Yeah, because yeah. it is the 11th version of Visual Studio. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the dialect of C++ that you use to write Metro apps in is called C++ slash CX for component extension. Mm-hmm. Huh. Only Visual Studio 11 has the compiler switch to enable it to correctly process C++ CX. So one of the things that I'm uh, uh, that has always turned me off about C++ has been the amount of ceremony that's required to get stuff working. Um, it, you know, just lots of cryptic things that that I don't know, frankly. And uh, has that has it been cleaned up any in uh, Visual Studio 11? Or even in the language? I think so. Depending on which framework that you're targeting, right? So if you want to write a console app, which nobody does, right. you don't have any ceremony. If you want to write a Windows app, you know, there's about 100 lines of code to set up your message pump and blah, blah, blah. If you want to write a Metro app, it's the same lines of code, whether you do that in C Sharp or in C++. Hmm. You've got your XAML, you put, I don't know, like a button in it, and then when someone clicks the button, you're going to change the text on a label or something, you won't see a difference, and you'll see very different, very little difference in what those individual lines of code are. Uh, they'll just have C++ syntax instead of C Sharp syntax. Now, you've just said that sort of casually, but how big of a deal is it to be able to work in XAML for a C++ developer? It's, it's an enormous deal. Um, when I'm working on a WinRT app, I am consuming the Windows offerings mostly through COM, mm-hmm. but without speaking of ceremony, the COM ceremony, you know, yeah. <laughs> ATL, all that stuff. I just, I just shiver remembering what we had to go through. Yeah. Um, I get an experience that feels exactly like .NET programming feels like either in VB.NET or C Sharp or in C++ CLI. So I had reference and I, uh, I knew something up and, you know, um, I, I deal with things, I carry on about my business. If creating this object requires waking up calm for the first time, that's not my problem, right? Right. And that's how it is when I'm doing a Metro app. Yeah. Now, just to further confuse matters, and now I'm going to actually try and make sure we don't confuse matters, is this whole concept of C++ native versus C++ managed. Yes. Is C++ managed just gone away? We're not talking about that at all? It's, it still has its role. So now there are uh, three major dialects of C++ that a Visual Studio developer would use. Hmm. One is your 100% standard ISO C++. I want to write operating systems. I want to write an operating system or I want to write a console app that multiplies two numbers together or matrices together or whatever, simulates the stock market. Again, close to the metal, fundamental kind of coding. Right. Right. That will be the bulk even of your Metro app, right? So you'll you'll have in that button handler that you'll call, you know, your business logic. 
And your business logic is going to be written in that C++, which is powerful and well understood and, and has reasonable libraries, although it could have better. Mm-hmm. Then there is C++ CX, which you use for the that aren't your business logic, that they're going to talk to the operating system. And they're native code. People look at the syntax and they're like, oh, that's managed code. It's not. Not, okay. okay. It leverages some syntax that was used in C++ CLI, specifically the hat, but there's no .NET runtime anywhere in the game. Uh, sorry, hat? Yes, in, uh, for reference. So if I want to get a hold of a file, it's uh, a file, blah, 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 it's got a long, complicated name, hat, capital six. Okay. And uh, that's, okay. Yeah. you know, instead of a pointer or in C Sharp, you don't put any decoration on because in C Sharp, you can't distinguish between the pointer and the object that it points to. Right. And we're really happy with the fact that you can in C++. Why? I mean, that's an interesting statement, and I can understand some potential, but why is it important to be able to reference, the, talk about the pointer independently of the object it points to? Well, for example, if I want to pass something to a function, mm-hmm. do I want to just pass the pointer reference handle thingy, and what the function will be accessing the same original object, or do I want to copy a copy of the uh, object itself? Right, so I have, if I pass the pointer, you're referencing the same object, and if I pass the object, you're making a copy. And it's the same, it's the d- difference between value types and reference types in the .NET framework, but you're basically able to copy a reference type's data and make a new reference type copy of it. Basically, instead of having reference types and value types and having to remember which is which, right. everything can be anything, and we decide as we use it. Right, because you have access to the data of a reference type. Yes. Yeah. So you have control, and you take that control for the reasons that you want. So sometimes it's more performant to do it this way. Other times it's safer to do it this way. Mm. And and rather than sort of there being the official right way, which will probably be optimal, it's like, don't probably optimal me. I want want (laughs) optimal. I know what I'm doing. Trust me. And, you know, I've said this before. If C++ had a motto, it would be, it's your foot. (laughs) (laughs) go ahead and shoot (laughs) (laughs) if you want to shoot it knock yourself out have a good time with that it's your foot i love c plus plus it's your foot gotta get (laughs) t-shirts that's great so there's pure native c plus plus there's managed c plus plus and then there's c plus plus cx yeah so we don't we don't say managed c plus plus oh because that's that whole you know that, that was it, that Dallas or something where some guy was dead for a year and then one day he's just in the shower and it was just a dream? Right. So there was a product called Managed C++ with capital letters. And that was the thing with all the underscores. We don't like to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> mm. That was just a bad season. That's yeah. what that was. So then we had C++ CLI, which is pretty much underscore free and is uh, C++ managed code. I got to ask, what are you what are you talking about? Underscores. Tell me about that. Oh, uh, there was all this stuff where things were called double uh, underscore underscore gc and, and that kind of stuff. And the reason is in in the language in the standard, um, you can have compiler extensions that are implementation specific in this case, specific to Visual Studio. And as long as they start with double underscore, other compilers will be like, "Oh, I don't know what that is, but I'm not going to complain." Because, right. Because it's a special thing. I'm going to ignore it. And the theory being that you could then take this code and, I don't know, compile it on, on a Linux box and not get many error messages. You wouldn't get anything good, right? 
So they sort of scrapped all of that, and in C++ CLI, they uh, they said, you know what, this code's not portable. Live with it. If you're going to write uh, code that targets the .NET framework, uh, don't expect that you can compile it as native code on a randomly chosen compiler on a randomly chosen operating system. But that's... Isn't that always been essentially true? I mean, other than demos, have we ever really been able to cross multiple platforms? Well, exactly. You can write in a cross-platform way, but it's it's much. It's like those people who want to be able to take their backend from SQL to Oracle. Yeah. Mm. So I can make it perform poorly in both platforms. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This portion of the tablet show is brought to you by our good friends at Telerik. Hey, can you ever have too many free tools to complement your development skills? I didn't think so. So our friends at Telerik are giving you now more than 30 free products for application development, automated testing, agile project management, and content management. And we're talking free-free. Not a trial, not a demo, but free, complete products supported by a community of over 440,000 developers at Telerik Forums. From free ASP.NET AJAX, ASP.NET MVC, and Silverlight controls, to the free ORM solution and automated testing framework, to free agile management tools and content management systems, all of these and more are available to you for immediate download at Telerik.com slash free stuff. Most of the free products can be used for commercial purposes and give you access to supplemental support resources such as documentation and forms. Go to Telerik.com slash free stuff now and take full advantage of the available free of charge products. And don't forget to thank them for supporting the tablet show. Okay, so let's talk about more specifically about Windows 8 yeah. and C++ and what we get. So with a WinRT and C++ CX, you get this ability to design your UI in XAML and you get the same... Um, you know, subset of Windows being offered to you, that Metro subset. Mm-hmm. So you, you can't go and just randomly do things. You have to be able to do the things you're uh, allowed to do and maybe that you've mentioned in your capabilities that you're going to do. Now, it's the same XAML stack that we use in C Sharp and VB? The Net? same designer, yeah. But it's the same XAML stack? Yep. Okay. So you're, you're, you're using the same set of words and you're using the same... Um, most of the C++ designers have always been really crappy. So, I mean, for example, if you uh, look at something like WPF, the C++ designer for WPF was non-existent, mm-hmm. which, is, which is super crappy. I mean, I listen to people complain about the WPF designers in Visual Studio. It was like, you have one. Yeah. <laughs> you have something to complain about. <laughs> but here it's the exact same one. So I can go to a demo on how to make your... XAML come out beautiful and design guidelines and how, what Metro is all about. And the person can be generating C-sharp from, you know, the actual, what they're doing can be a C-sharp app, but everything, where they click, what it means when you choose this dropdown, that will map over 100% to when I go and work on a C++ app. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, had, I got it stuck in my mind somewhere from Build. I think it was Sanofsky who said that there's a or one of those guys said that there was a two XAML stacks in Windows 8. And I guess he was talking about the managed XAML that's, you know, part of the .NET framework that we use in desktop mode, and then the stuff that's in WinRT. Yeah, I, I, get, I right. think that's what he was talking about. But it's no different in the WinRT side between C Sharp, VBNet, and C++. I've seen nothing, there's nothing no, to be different. Yeah, there's no. nothing different. Now, one of the 
the stories that people are kicking around, though, is about performance and saying, if I don't have to bring in the, the CLR, mm-hmm. when I go to a, a tablet, when I go to something that doesn't have the kind of oomph of a laptop, maybe not having to load the CLR is going to be a really big deal. Yeah. 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 We don't know what the horsepower of the machine is actually going to be. But, I mean, Kate, maybe you can articulate this. From a native C++ point of view, what's bad about the CLR? What's expensive? Maybe not bad, but just expensive about it. Well, it spins up. You know, you've right. got to load it up. If you, if you ever used Visual Studio 2008 and you would bring up the fonts and colors dialog yep. and wait. Or the resources. Right. Any of the things that had been written in C Sharp back when it was like a mixture, right? Yeah. That moment where the CLR came in, you could you watch it happen. Yep. If you never do that, then you never do that. But once it's once these once objects are loaded and once the runtime is loaded, it's it, it's well, I won't say it's negligible because of the way that you call. But if you're if you're making a call to uh, an API, for example, a managed API, you're you know the difference is a lot less than if you're. If you're doing something that because you're using managed code, you're not aware of the fact that it's using too much memory or that uh, that kind of thing. I mean, that I think that is probably a more pressing problem than because just because we are insulated, we'll do things that we don't know are are bad for performance. Yes, you know, it's not so much performance as it is control over performance. Right. Um, and being able to decide when would be a good time to be a little sluggish and when would not. Um, yeah. And being able to move things around. So, you know, the classic, should I use a collection that's kept sorted and I take a little pain on every insert or do I stuff them in as quick as I can and sort them when I need them? Mm. It's like that all the time about stuff that's got nothing to do with collection. Well, you sort of have to think like a computer, don't you? I mean, in order to walk your brain through what's actually happening and understanding. I mean, that's probably why it takes, you know, the CS degree to be a really good C++ programmer, don't you think? It depends how far you want to go. So I'm doing this AMP book, and boy, oh boy, are we talking about performance, and we're talking about things like you need to put some padding in this struct so that the size of the struct is an even divisor of the size of your CPU cache. Otherwise, yeah. you're going to have stride issues in the cache. And I'm just like, wait. Stride issues? <laughs> <laughs> so, it's like people are thinking this way and they're thinking about this uh, this vector or this bundle of access is 16 whatever's wide. And if you try to go out and get them 10 at a time, you're going to get uh, wasteful. Mm. And people are thinking this way and thinking about the difference between, uh, we had a big long conversation about an array of structs versus a struct of arrays. And having to do with with what's next to each other in memory, because computers in general do really well when stuff is consecutive in memory and worse when it's scattered around. Yeah. So when you're trying to squeeze the last speck of perf out of something, then you really have to start thinking that way. Now, do you need to do that to write um, Tetris? Probably not. (laughs) Right. But I guess, they, you know, what's interesting to me is suddenly the C++ developer is going to have a better development experience in Metro than they have in desktop. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. Like, talk about incentive as opposed to the C-sharp guy who has a very familiar development experience in desktop and an unfamiliar one in Metro. That's right. It's like, if you move into Metro as a native developer, look at you get a, 
uh, design experience from this century, you know. Uh, you, you get all of these uh, fun capabilities like access to sensors and things. It's just all good. And what are you leaving behind? Mm, nothing really. You know, MFC, I think that's okay. Can yeah, I can, I can let that go. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas for a C-sharp person who's trying to decide, should I write, you know, a silver light out-of-browser thing that I know how to do already? Or should, yeah. I, should I try to leverage my XAML skills but on a different stack and, and write it as a Metro app? They maybe have to feel that they're going to give something up. The other thing that surprised me looking at C++11 was that they, they seem to be grabbing some stuff from C-sharp. When I show people the code, they say things like, I can read that. Yeah. And when they come across a keyword they don't know, I can very often tell them the same thing in C-sharp. So... What's this auto? Oh, that's var. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> yeah, but auto's a big deal. Auto's a huge deal. Auto's a huge deal. Um, partially because of the frustration thing. Right. So if you want to use like a standard vector of int and you want to iterate through it, you have to declare a forward iterator into a standard vector of int. And it's, you know, 27 or 40 characters. And if you get it wrong, the compiler yells at you. So using auto is great for the grumpy factor. Yep. But the other thing that happens when you use auto properly is that you can go up to the top and say, actually, it's not a vector. It's a linked list. And all your code stays unchanged. Wow. And you just like recompile and now you're using a linked list. <laughs> Almost like a real language. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> True. I have, I have recorded evidence of this behavior. Yeah. And then Hilarious. the lambdas. And you guys, you know, lambdas are huge. Right. Yeah. Well, it's just, and you're welcome to them. <laughs> Your life just got better. It got a lot better. A lot yeah. Better. I have a, I, I don't know if you have a, a list of these, but can you um, maybe articulate what maybe the top couple or the top, let's start with the top one thing that is going to immediately uh, throw C++ developers when they're writing a Metro app? Oh, the async. Ah, the async await. Yeah. Also, because C++ programmers are all awesomely multi-threaded, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> hey, C++11 includes threads and stuff. Yeah. And, and also, the PPL, the Parallel Patterns Library, uh, provides some um, threading and uh, pa- automatic parallelization that some C++ developers have been using, and it's way cool. But I got I to gotta think that, you, like you're saying, going to say here, Async await is really kind of magic fairy dust for probably for C++ developers, huh? The official way of doing the async stuff is gross. <laughs> Just to be clear. In other words, total give, giving up of control, right? Well, no. It's just that you kind of have to write it inside out. So, like, you're going to open a file. So, you, well, what you're really going to do is you're going to put up a file picker, and then you're going to take the file name that they gave you, and you're going to try to open it, and then once you've opened it, you're going to read all the characters from it, right? So you have to say, um, I intend to do some reading, and um, here's the handler for that, and then I intend to do this other thing, and here's the handler for that. And yeah. it ends up with the thing you're going to do first happening in the middle of all of that so that you can work your way out. And I just, I mean, I wrote it. I did a, a C++ 1RT course for Pluralsight, and I wrote that out to prove that you can do it this way. Then I discovered that the nice guys at PPL have got a PPL extension, which gives you the then. So then you, you know, I can't keep myself from using the word, but you say, 
I have a file picker, and I'm going to call this method on it. And when that comes back, I dot then, I'm going to try to open it. And when that comes oh. back, I dot then, I'm going to try to read it. Ah, so you can actually have your operation in the right order. In the right order. And yeah. you know what's inside the brackets of those calls to then? Lambda. Mm-hmm. Nice. So it's all sweet, readable, right there, and expressive. Mm-hmm. You get back to the expressive, that you read that, you know what the intent is there. It's the sentence. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like file picker dot display dot then, you know, file blah blah dot read, and it's like you can see what it's doing. It's all yeah. English. Mm. That's pretty important. You, I, I'm going to, I've generally been looking at the C11 enhancements and I've been thrilled, and then I got the scary iterators. <laughs> and this is what's wrong with C++ because there's I, I'm all over the sense of humor in, in language thing because we've got a lot of it but the guys who did this were just mean this is this is a whole these are the same folks that think the case sensitivity is a good idea right like this is just so Carl this is the greatest acronym known to man in order to get scary as an acronym here's what they take it from describes assignments and initializers that are seemingly that's the S erroneous Paren, constrain, that's the C, by conflicting generic parameters, close paren, but actually, that's the A, work with the right, that's the R, implementation, paren, unconstrained, by, take the Y off the by, the conflict due to minimized dependencies, close paren. Hey, you prefer CNA? Substitution failure is not an error? <laughs> I mean, at first you think, well, they called it scary because that's funny. But then you actually look and go, no, actually, that's scary. Yes. <laughs> There's a lot <laughs> of weird stuff that goes on. Um, uh, Andre, the template metaprogramming guy who can literally make the compiler do arithmetic. Um, I look at what comes out of that brain and I'm just like, oh, I'm not sure people should be allowed to do that. Yeah. There's shoot yourself in the foot and then there's what foot? Yeah, but some of what happens is so cool. And some of what was achieved before we made the language changes proved how valuable certain concepts were, hmm. and then they end up in the language, and then you don't have to do all that word crap to get that benefit. So things like perfect forwarding and R-value references, which are an astonishing perf improvement, depending on your code, we're not talking 10% or 25%. You could have multiple improvements hmm. uh, by using what's called move semantics instead of copy semantics. And that came about in the language because people were doing it with this weird templates of templates thing. So I find the template metaprogramming super scary. I was at the Going Native conference, and during his talks, he kept saying, now this is legal. <laughs> I know you feel like this is wrong. That's right. People are writing that down. That's actually illegal. Okay. Um, very, very powerful stuff that gives you, for example, genuinely smart, smart pointers. Because we have perfect forwarding now. So, um. Uh, can you explain that? Perfect forwarding is when I'm going to write a template, like generics in C sharp. Right? So I'm going to say that I'm going to have a function that will call some other function and just pass the parameters along. Okay. Well, that's great. I can say that um, I've got a function that takes one parameter, and all I do is I call this other function, and I pass the one parameter along to it. And then I can do it again for two and three and so on. Or I could actually write it in a way that it doesn't matter the number or the types of the parameters. I can pass them along to some other function. That's called perfect forwarding. Okay. So, for example, when you want to make a smart pointer, which manages itself and 
For example, shared pointer when the last one goes out of scope, the object they pointed to is deleted for you. You have the problem with if I want to make it, I need to call its constructor, but its constructor can take any arguments at all. Hmm. So what arguments does make shared take? Well, they in theory, <laughs> you do this template metaprogram something called variadic templates and you can achieve this. Now the reality is that Visual Studio eleven doesn't have variadic templates yet. So they just hand coded it all and they defined infinity to be ten and just hand coded <laughs> <laughs> infinity awesome. 10 same difference it was Whatever. a curse problem too so at one point they had to lower infinity to 5 <laughs> <laughs> oh that's great now that you know this is C++ humor right there <laughs> there you go <laughs> you had to lower infinity to 5 <laughs> oh man const <laughs> oh, this is wonderful. Const is your friend. Yeah. Const infinity yeah. equals five. Equals five. <laughs> yeah. The scary part was, though, you know, like variadic templates is super, super hard. And this uh, fake variadic templates where infinity is 10 or 5 was working pretty well for a lot of people because not many people actually write functions that take 11 parameters. Yeah, right. So, you know, it was really hard to actually genuinely handle infinity. And handling 10 was about copying and pasting. Now, very yeah, a variadic is at the limit, I think, of most people understanding what they really want to do here. <laughs> it's great for library writers. Right. And that's the same thing with this R-value references. And with this, I don't want to write make shared. I just want to live in a world where somebody else wrote make shared. <laughs> so that I, I don't have to... You know that whole whatever you knew, you've got to delete? Hmm. Yeah. We have a new saying now. If you're typing delete, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> right. Wow. Everything but, should be wrapped in something that will manage its lifetime, whether it's a smart pointer or a container or something. And when that guy goes out of scope, you know, it'll clean up. Well, you just said the magic word. You said managed. <laughs> but not by a runtime, right? Yeah. Well, exactly. Like What you've done is you slipped in managed runtime features without having a runtime. So, the, you know, the CLR does a whole lot more than garbage collection. Sure. Um, and it, it's got security going on, and, and it manages your access to the OS and keeps everybody safe and stops rogue processes from doing bad things. But the only thing anyone ever talks about is memory leaks and garbage collection. Right. And so what's going on in C++11 is saying, absolutely, memory leaks are awful, and developers cannot be trusted to prevent them. So here is a way to prevent them. The, and this is exactly why we ended up with the managed constructs in the first place. That's why we did that, yeah. was to make that problem go away. But at a price. Yeah. So what other gotchas are we going to experience as C++ developers when we first start using WinRT? What I keep seeing, I've, I've been on Stack Overflow marking questions as duplicates because people keep doing this. They make a WinRT C++ app that does nothing. Like it, the XAML has no controls in it. Mm. And then they put in the main equivalent uh, a console.write line. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Right. So then they go, my God, if the simplest thing in the universe doesn't work, then this is yeah. all stupid. And you're right. like, no, that's, no. And then they're like, so then I tried opening a file and writing some text into it, and that didn't work. Uh. So this is all awful. And have to, <laughs> like, okay, those aren't simple things. Yeah. How about when you click the button, we change the text on the label to thank you for clicking. Yeah, right. And they're like, that's a thousand lines of code. Maybe it is. If you're, you know, writing it in C. In, yeah. In 
1902. But <laughs> it's one line of code now. Do that. Yeah. Now come and show me, you know, that this is what Metro can do for you, right? So people who are coming as C++ developers, but not really, especially if they've been ignoring Windows, yeah, uh, they have to do some flip in their brain about what's the trivial thing and what's the complicated thing. Well, yeah. you, C++ developers had to do that with Visual Basic way back when, too. Right. right. So anyone who made that transition uh, when they first came into, like, a visual environment and yeah. said, oh... I get it. Like handling a button event, that's easy. Mm. But reaching around past all the protection and, and poking around in a raw file, that's not easy. Yeah. But that's a different way of thinking. So if someone's been thinking in a command line way to move into this way of thinking, that's a challenge. Yeah. And the most interesting thing here is you've changed Hello World. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a hard thing to get your head around. You've been using the same Hello World in your language for a long time. A really long time. Same yeah. as it ever was. <laughs> yeah. oh, well. Now, I guess the, still the question is going to be, who codes faster? Like, can you get apps built quickly? I think a lot of it's going to come down to libraries. Yeah. And the library story in Metro is a different story. Well, and in some ways, I feel like we're all in a level playing field because nobody is, you know, has 10 years of experience with this library. Yes, exactly. And if you want to bring over your existing library, you know, if it makes a call that's a no-no, then that whole library is a no-no. Yeah. So working that out and working out what you can do and what you can't do and removing maybe your wonderful library for like image manipulation or something happens to briefly pop out and call a forbidden API. It doesn't need to. There's another way to do it. Getting that all sorted out and coming up with metro-friendly libraries for standard classic things to do. Yeah, and I guess the one I would first point to would be Boost. Is Boost going to run in WinRT? Oh, sure. It's it, it, it doesn't depend on an OS, so it right. doesn't do anything it shouldn't. Okay. That's easy enough. That, that I can, you know. <laughs> but I would think that STL is a little more low-level, and it's going to struggle. The, the standard library is all headers. It's all templates. Right. Um, now, the parts of it, there are places where you talk to the OS, like, hey, what time is it? Yeah. Um, and, oh, I'd like to print some letters on the screen. You can that right <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, so that's also going to, but that's like, you know, people don't even think of that as STL, but, you know, you have to include IO stream to get the C out in order to be able to, to write on the screen. Um, so that stuff's going to trip you up. And then, but see, that's not really about the, the libraries or the code. Again, it's about the developer's head. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the first time I tried to uh, do stuff when I was being suspended, I'm going to save my state and come back. Uh, huh, where am I going to put, I could open a file, like, gee, golly, this is hard, you know, and I struggled and I would write 15 lines of code and it wouldn't work and I'd delete it all and write it entirely, okay, what about the registry? And then after a while, I'm like, you could read the documentation, that might work. So it's one line of code, right, to put something in local storage. Mm-hmm. Oh. Like, stop trying to do it the hard way. Yeah. So that switch of your brain and saying, this is... Yeah, your reflexes are wrong. That's right. And also, a lot of us are not, even as .NET developers, I don't think it's unique to C++ developers, we don't expect to be supported. You're used to being on your own? Yeah. So I have to figure out where I'd like to store this and come up with the idea of how I'm going to parse it and blah, blah. And the, the thought that someone was there ahead of me and wrote an API that I just have to make a one-line call... It's like, oh, wow, okay, well, um, 
Thanks. I guess I'll call your function then. <laughs> well, and, and it sounds like an evolution of the community as a whole too. That just starting to think more in terms of using libraries and and using these sorts of constructs so that you stuff your code gets well. What did you call it? Expressive. Yeah, that's right. Obviously, one line of code that says "save to local storage." Anyone who reads that, they're not going to think, "Oh, I guess she's writing something into the registry." You know, I mean, the, you take away that knowledge of the metal. Mm-hmm. I don't know where it goes. I don't really care. Yeah, as long as I can get it back when the app wakes back up, that's all that matters. Yeah, that's true. So that's a hard one for, you know, we're all about control and we're all about shooting our feet if we want to. And, and so that one's, I think, tough too. Yeah, and, and not as much true anymore. Yeah. With, the, with Metro not allowing XNA, it seems to me that C++ is going to be the language du jour or de facto for making games in Metro. Well, yes, but. <laughs> I know you're supposed to say yes and, but yes, but. Because can you imagine most XNA developers saying, wow, this DirectX stuff looks really cool. <laughs> you know, I, in the in the AMP book, we have a number of demos that use DirectX to draw pretty pictures on the screen because it's... Right. The pictures move faster, and you know that you've, you've achieved the speed up. And, you know, with, with C++ AMP, you can speed something up double, five times, ten times. And it's dramatic rather than just, wow, we didn't wait anywhere near as long before the number printed on the screen. You see the whirling things whirl faster. Right. But when I wander into the DirectX code as part of debugging or figuring out what's going on in the app, I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know, talk about here be dragon. Yeah. That's... um. That's a whole set of skills. But isn't XAML supposed to be the simplification wrapper over top of DirectX? If you want a button that I click and we set the label. Right. But I don't think you're going to write Halo in XAML. Yeah, I guess that's true. Well, I, I mean, there are 3D things. Yeah. Yeah. DirectX 2D, 3D, some, some way cool stuff with text. It's all super performance. And you can pull off uh, some some astonishing tricks that are just impossible in a universe that does stuff for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mentioned these AMP samples. AMP, Accelerated Massive Parallelism, lets you leverage the GPU for calculations. Nice. One of these demos leaves the answer on the GPU. Doesn't bother copying it back to the CPU because we're going to need it on the GPU when we render the video. Nice. Mm-hmm. It's like, that is an optimization that, you know, you have to be so close to the metal to do that. All right, let's uh, let's turn it back the other way. What what's the well? There's probably some obvious things, but what's a maybe not so obvious thing that a C plus plus programmer is going to crack open a Metro app and go, ah, oh, that's awesome. Um, I, I think that the UI stuff is ammo. Yeah. I mean, I know that seems so obvious, but Carl, have you been using Visual Basic for a hundred years or a hundred and fifty? Yeah, version <laughs> so, one. So, you know. <laughs> Do you remember that day? I do. It was life-changing. So that is waiting for a C++ developer today. Yeah. And they're just going to say, I can't believe I can do that. Because you've had visual designers in C++ before. Yeah, yeah. We could build our apps in MFC, and you drag on a button, and you define the class, and you class wizard this and the other, but there was an awful lot of code. Yeah. It it wasn't really a declarative language in terms of building your UI. And there was an awful lot of different dialogues and different, you know, then I go to the properties window and I do this, but then I go over to the code and I do that. 
you didn't really get to see it all at once. When I look, and I, I'm one of these people, I look at my XAML, and I see everything in one place. I can see what, what, what's going to happen when they click it. I can see what color it is. I can see how big it is, whatever, whatever, rather than in three files. And that's going to be a bit of a new experience. Well, it all sounds good. What advice do you have for the uh, for the C++ developer who's uh, maybe just waiting to take the plunge? This is a, a great time to do it. Um, the beta um, will give a, a sort of a refresh of capabilities. Get in there with everyone else while it's below the ground floor. And don't try to port code right away, but try to port ideas right away. And eventually I think people will find oh, I can bring my library over and it'll work. But you'll get frustrated if you start with your code. Just start with your ideas and go see what it would take to do that in a Metro app and start trying to think that different way. And you know you're not behind. We're all in the same place. It's not like the C-Sharp guys have a three-year head start or anything. We're all here together. All right. And nobody knows better than you. <laughs> <laughs> You've got street cred, Kate. Okay. All right. <laughs> Well, thanks so much for talking to us. Thanks for having me, guys. Always a total. Absolutely. We'll see you next time on The Tablet Show. It's not too much.